The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lee, Cody Martin, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 6, Revolutions. Dare to be Stupid. Written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin. It was hard not to gloat, just a little. There was so little to gloat over, after all, that finally having something go right felt like a victory. But here was little old Victoria Victrix, absolutely, utterly disregarded by Dominic Verdigree, gleefully piloting the tech that Dominic Verdigree, super genius, had been unable to make work. Of course I have magic. She floated the magic eyeball in through the door of the CCCP break room. None of the occupants noticed, which was a good thing since it was supposed to be invisible. There were only three bodies there at the moment, but as they were three very different sorts of metas, that gave her the opportunity to see if some of the scanning equipment worked. She had to give Verd this much credit. He'd packed a lot into a very small space, and if he'd only been able to work out the anti-grav problem... Well, good thing he hadn't. Subject 1. The new gal. Mamona. Well, call sign Mamona. Which was a nasty little dig on Nat's part, giving her that call sign. Cece Dupre was a homegirl from J.M.'s adopted Atlanta neighborhood who had manifested confusion psi powers. She interrupted central nervous system signals in her targets. Mamona was Russian for Mammon, the god of wealth. If there was anything less wealthy than Cece, just one of Nat's little moments of contempt for the U.S. lifestyle. Or maybe, just maybe, Nat was showing a rare moment of humor, however cutting it could sometimes be. Mamona showed up as pretty normal in the scans, except for the eleventy billion throwing knives she had hidden all over her person. The two big fighting knives she didn't bother to hide. Subject 2. Call sign Untermensch. Georgie did not show up normal on scan. Vic had to call up extra stuff to get through his near-impervious skin on his hands and forearms. And as she scanned, he suddenly looked fractionally more alert. She wondered if he didn't have marginal sensitivity to scans that even he wasn't aware of, maybe an aspect of his healing factor. Subject 3. Sovietsky Medved. The Soviet Bear. Oh, lordy, lordy, Pavel. There was nothing about Pavel that was normal. In fact, even for a metahuman, he just flat out should be dead. Nothing about him should be working. Not the clutched-together WW2-era prosthetics, height of Soviet engineering, as he said. Not the gods only knew what it was power source he had instead of a heart. Nothing. Pavel should flat-out be dead, either from extreme age or his ramshackle mechanical body. And all her computer-assisted semi-AI was insisting that none of what it saw should be real, working, functional, or in this space-time continuum at all. And somehow, he wasn't dead. Might as well drop some eaves while I'm here. As usual, Pavel was eating and drinking. Chefo boy canned ravioli and rotgut vodka, which were the only two things he ever seemed to eat and drink. 
although she'd heard rumors about a small scandal involving Pavel and the International Waffle House. He had monopolized the TV remote, allegedly watching Mayberry RFD reruns. American television was utterly entrancing for him, particularly older cop dramas and soap operas. I don't know how y'all can watch that crap, Mamona said in disgust. She was busy sharpening all of her various blades in turn, inspecting each one carefully before moving on to the next. Whenever asked about it by one of the other comrades, she always replied, They're never sharp enough, followed by a smile that seemed to reflect a joke only she knew the punchline to. I am not knowing how you can eat that crap, Unter replied. Easy tovarish said Pavel, holding up a spoon. You are to use a utensil and ice. He shifted on the lumpy couch. And to be sitting. Usually helps. The intercom crackled to life. Comrades Memona, untermentioned. Pavel, to office. Spasibo. Dave, and not wasting time with dally-dilly. Commissar calls, comrades. Pavel hefted himself from the couch, metal joints squeaking and straining with the effort. Georgie, you go first. You are sturdy enough to take statue to head. Da. And you are to be putting toys away and reporting in person, comrade, came the unexpected addition on the CCCP Commissar channel in Vicky's ear. I am insisting on seeing eyes of my comrades in briefing. Crap, how did she know I had an eye out? Nat knew about the eyes, of course. Some were going out with this team out to JM. But how had she detected one active? Coming, Commissar, she replied, and gave the AI the command to bring the eye back to a homing cradle. Good thing I have an airport landing pad in their HQ. Not that she actually wanted to be there. Jeannie and Bella she was barely comfortable with. Bulwark, maybe. Anyone else ranged from nervous-making to terrifying, with the commissar pegging the scale at I am about to have a meltdown right here, right now. Oh well. She paused long enough to gulp down her anti-anxiety meds, then shuffled with resignation to her magic room. On a scale of one to meltdown... I think Untermensch is up there with Nat for who burns me out the most. Vicky did her level best to shrink into the corner of the room. The three comrades all stood in a very loose approximation of at ease, especially Pavel. The CCCP had discipline in plenty when it came to important matters and fighting, but in private they often tended to be at a sort of relaxed tension when dealing with each other. It was very strange, and far different from what was the norm in Echo. Comrades, I am now briefing three of you on operation in... She glanced at Vicky ever so marginally. Kansas City. Vicky cued the commissar's channel and whispered into her own mic, taking the hint. Kansas City. Natalia continued smoothly. Intel provided us by decoded information placed command and control center for Thulians in decommissioned missile silo on the outskirts. Is being 
reliable, Commissar. Untermensch subtly glanced at Vicky before locking his eyes on Natalia. Not only reliable, successful, the Commissar said with a smirk of satisfaction. Comrade John Murdoch infiltrated on solo recon. Unter cocked an eyebrow, the only hint of emotion he showed. Center was being deactivated, but we reached it in time to retrieve more excellent intelligence. This intelligence places a probable Thulean dispersion unit within Kansas City. I am sending you as backup to Comrade Murdoch. Pavel piped up, raising a hand. Who shall to be the team leader, Commissar? He puffed his chest out as much as he could. I accept this honor. Sto? Red Savior said, looking incredulous. Comrade Murdoch is team leader. Comrade Untermensch is second. You are to be distraction. No one would suspect covert team of being covert that has you on it. Mamona smothered a giggle with both hands. Georgie and Pavel shared a look. To continue, Red Savior gave Mamona a glare. You will to be in use Overwatch. Georgie, Pavel, I know you are familiar. Comrade Mamona is not. Comrade Victrix will be in see to this. Plan must remain fluid. Ideally, you will discover if intel is correct, infill collect intelligence and exfill. She sighed gustily. However, with Comrade Medved on team, plans seldom go according to plan. Georgie was the first to pipe up. Transportation to site, Commissar. Comrade Victrix? Vicky took a shaken breath as the eyes of all four focused on her like searchlights. Already arranged, Commissar. Echo cargo plane, regularly scheduled. You are not listed as CCCP. You are Echo Support Ops in the Commissary Unit. When you arrive, your cover will be as a fencing team from Vladivostok University. Fencing, comrade! Pavel leaned forward. I am having many accomplishments in this field, from my time. Your time sticking fork into Blinis, old bear? Unter elbowed Pavel in his metal ribs. Mamona giggled again. I don't know, he's pretty quick at getting the last ravioli out of the can. Gotta watch them suckers, they're slippery. Bah, bah, enough. The commissar cut them short. Comrade tells me fencing is strange enough no Amerikansky will be able to ask you questions or ask for demonstration, but Amerikansky Olympic team did well enough, they know a sport. And they know Russians are best in the world, naturally. It's good cover. Unter straightened up. When do we leave, Commissar? As soon as you and I are finished speaking. She eyeballed Mamona and Pavel. You and you go make preparations. She glared at Vicky. You stay. 
Georgie stood his ground, unmentioned but understanding the commissar's meaning. Pavel, completely oblivious to the snub, slapped Mamona's arm and merrily escorted her out. Perhaps he was under the impression that he was supposed to keep an eye on her for the commissar. Vicky made her spine as one with the corner. Georgie stepped forward. Commissar, might I be speaking without reservation on this? His eyes shifted to Victoria for a split second. Daughter of Rasputin has our confidence, the commissar said firmly. We will speak on this later. There is much you need to know. He nodded. Da, but is Murdoch ready for this? He is still fresh comrade, and... Now it was Red Savior's turn to glance at Vicky, not with a glare, but with a lifted eyebrow and a little nod at the stack of papers Vicky had given her earlier. Vicky didn't take long to think about it. If there were three people in all of CCCP that Natalia trusted above all others, they were Mojotok, Soviet, and Undermensch. She nodded fractionally. Red Savior handed over the stack to Georgie. Oh, my God. She just asked me for permission to hand over intel. Unter took several long minutes to read through the papers, flipping the pages and occasionally grunting or nodding. When he was finished, he set the stack upon the commissar's desk. Da. Will suffice. His face betrayed nothing at that moment. Now, Dave, Comrade Victrix, brief Mamona on Overwatch. Georgie? She sighed, then made a showing motion. Be to herding cats. The glory of the floating eye was that Vicky wasn't restricted to any one, potentially obscured, viewpoint, and she could double-check the stowage while Georgie wrestled his cats into their seats. She didn't miss any of the dialogue, though. Just because we're supposed to be commissary crew, that don't mean you get to expect all the food crates, Pavel. Mamona scolded Soviet Bear. I promise you they ain't got any ravioli in there. And she added under her breath, because they actually got taste buds. Your logic does not follow, Toverish. Comrade Shefferboy is Bolshoi cook, yet? Niet is being correct, Pavel, Untermensch growled. But if it will make you feel better. He paused. Vicky blinked as she realized he was waiting for her to give him a cue or a reason to get the bear settled into his seat. All food on Echo campuses is sourced locally, she supplied smoothly on his channel. It's too expensive to ship food. Echo is not the being waste money on shipping food they can get at same price locally, Georgie growled. You are too used to thinking America is like Siberia. Food is everywhere here. The bear stroked his chin, considering their words. There is wisdom in this, I suppose. He gave one last sorrowful look at the commissary crates, then clunked over to sit in his jump seat. 
How long are we to fly? He looked up in the air, perhaps expecting Vicky to materialize in front of him. Your flight time is two hours, seventeen minutes, she replied on the open channel. You'll be landing at General Aviation, cargo, not the passenger terminal. Transport will be ready and waiting offloaded from this plane. CCCP van with a GPS set run by me to guide you to where you will set up a temporary HQ. She paused. I've already arranged for a grocery delivery bear. You won't starve. Good. This bear hates fighting on an empty stomach. Had enough of tastings for it in great patriotic war. The bear nodded solemnly. You've made up for it since, old bear. With how much we spend on food for you, we could feed a battalion. I've heard the mentions of the commissar drawing up orders for you to go... on a diet. Untermensch grinned cruelly, and Mamona smothered giggles. Pavel blanched. Sto? He shook his head, throwing his hands up in resignation. I be doing as ordered, as always. Commissar knows a sturdy bear when she sees one. The wizened Russian leaned forward, planting his elbows on his knees with an audible clank. Speaking of commissars and the judgments they are to be having, what do you make of the American as a team leader? He was a sergeant in the U.S. Army, Vicky supplied. Got buckets of experience at it. Ah, ah but Amerikansky way of war is different from ours, from Soviet perfection. Vicky figured at this point he was actually looking to Untermensch for his answers, so she kept her lips zipped. After all, Unter had been on the same teams as J.M. on more than a few incidents, including the one where they extracted Bella and her Echo Squad from Rebs with rocket launchers. It had ended up being a trap, however, meant for Echo rather than CCCP, but the Thulean metahuman Ubermensch had taken full advantage of CCCP's appearance. Both CCCP and Echo had taken casualties and fatalities. One of them had almost been Red Savior herself. Vicky still wasn't certain how Bella had managed to save the Commissar. You just didn't normally survive having a building dropped on you, unless you were someone like Bulwark or Chug. He has fought well enough to date, so we are to be seeing how he does in command. Untermensch leaned back in his seat, stretching as he did so. Worst thing that can be happening is uh, we die. Oh, well... When he's put that away, it's not so risky yet. Amazingly, the bear actually seemed to mean what he said. He was possessed of an odd sort of fatalism, so long as he did his job the way he was supposed to, which was a very subjective thing for him, admittedly. He was perfectly happy to accept anything that came his way. One can't trust fire throwers too much, though. They are being apt to burn themselves as they are to be burning others. You're prejudiced. Besides, Supernaut was a fool and a blowhard. Murdoch has not shown to be either. So far. Unter actually hadn't put any criticism in that statement, which for him 
was praise. Huh. Guess all that shite in my analysis and intel report didn't rattle his cage. She'd kept it all cut and dried, just reporting what she'd decoded from the project, his training capabilities, actually pretty much verbatim what was in the project reports. Hmph. Uh, comrade Mamona, you are also being Amerikanski. What is your take on our soon-to-be team leader? Bear was stroking his chin again. Unter strapped himself in as the jet engines ramped up and raised an eyebrow at the American. I like him. If it hadn't been for him and that angel, my hood wouldn't have been a world of hurt right now. Mamona nodded decisively. He managed to get everyone working together and kick most of the assholes out. And the assholes that stayed, well, they ain't operating on our turf no more. You're all big boys and girls, came the pilot over the intercom. And I don't have a flight attendant to make sure you're strapped in. We're going to take off hot because this is a big, heavy bird and I don't have a lot of runway. So if you haven't already battened down the hatches, too bad you can tend to your own boo-boos. Captain out. He means it, Vicky warned them. And the plane began accelerating. Pavel cleared his throat as everyone made their final preparations. I am having one final question as to Comrade Murdoch's sturdiness. Then I shall be satisfied. Untermensch sighed. What is it, old bear? He can fight and can be seeming to lead, both qualities I expect from any Russian. But can he be drinking like one of us? Georgie guffawed. No one can drink like you, old bear. Not even alcoholic Cossack. The ride to the motel had been... interesting. After much objection from the bear, Unter had overridden his insistence that he drive and installed Mamona in the driver's seat of the van. Vicky had seen to it that there were actual gym bags with actual fencing equipment in them, and athletic clothing in red and white that would pass for uniforms. Bear's was oversized to accommodate his frame. After exploring the contents of his bag, and being forcibly restrained from waving the fencing saber around while Mamona was trying to drive, the bear was mollified to discover, yes, a couple cans of ravioli and a fork tucked into a corner. After that, he was content to make comments about Mamona's driving with his mouthful. Mamona wasn't the world's best driver, but she did respond fairly well to Vicky's directions, and they managed to arrive at the motel without incident, and without anyone's eye being poked out. You must be aggressive, comrade. Don't let the Africa push you around. Bear was gesticulating with his fork, speaking around another mouthful of ravioli. If you let one dog push you around, others will be coming sniffing. That makes no sense, old bear. Quit stuffing your face and grab the bags. Sweet 122, comrades, Vicky said. Townhouse, one down, three up. Murdoch is waiting at the door. 
I am going to be glad to get these cats herded up and let J.M. take over. Bear is worse than ten two-year-olds on a sugar rush. Just as Vicky had said, John was waiting in the doorway. He had his arms crossed and was leaning lazily against the frame. Right on time. Y'all got everything out of the van? Da. All about gear, including a case of ravioli and enough vodka to drown a moose. Hopefully, it'll be just enough to shut up a grousing bear. Unter shouldered his gym bags into the townhouse as Murdoch stood aside. Ah, I'll explain the six cases of ravioli Overwatch had delivered. Privyet, Pavel. You ain't gonna starve. Vicky floated the eye in through the corner of the doorframe and made it visible. Hiya, Johnny, she said, using the tiny speaker in the eye. Creepy. Welcome to the party. John stood aside and motioned for the others. Get everything stacked in there and get settled in. Rest up. We go in tomorrow on our first pass at the target. Before you ask, I can't get these things too far from you guys before I lose signal, she told him. So, no insertion to your target. I'm working on improvements. Sorry, right, Vic. I like having actual eyes on an asset before committing anyways. He frowned. Um, I mean, realize. Not black magic thingies. No offense. Okay, don't undermine the man. Not black magic, just magic. And mostly tech, she said in his ear. I don't do black magic. It's very much against the code. Got it. And thanks. John closed the door after all of the team and their gear had passed him. Get fed and bedded down. Who's on first watch? I would take the honor, Tovarich. Bear immediately plopped down into the single lounge chair, a can of ravioli and a jug of vodka in hand. All right. Under, keep him sober for the watch. We'll drain the vodka after we get out of this alive, but not before. Got it? John gave Unter an assessing look. Bear needs a fair amount to function, comrade, Unter cautioned and shrugged. A sober bear is an ugly creature. Understood, but you're going to keep him in hand. We've all worked together before, so uh, let's make this easy on everyone. Da? Untermensch sketched a salute, but as near as Vicky could tell, he seemed pleased. I am hearing you, comrades, Bear grumbled from his seat. Ears are not being defective, you know. Excellent. That means you can keep the volume down on the tube. Sack time for me, y'all. I just spent the better part of the day securing this joint. He nodded at Vicky's eye. Overwatch uh, ain't exactly got hands. Murdoch was asleep almost as soon as his head hit the pillow, leaving the others to finish getting food and settling in. 
I will to be sharing room with Comrade Mamona, Bear piped up during a commercial break in whatever soap opera he had tuned into. Mamona opened her mouth, glanced at Unter, and shut it. You will be taking room on the left upstairs, Unter said firmly. Mamona will be in the right. I will be in the middle. Doors will be left open. Bear actually turned around to look at Georgie. Are you implying something, comrade? he said in Russian. Georgie replied in Russian. Yes, I'm implying that I don't want you to imply, comrade Mamona, you rotten lecher. Unter glared at him. Mamona looked from one to the other, lost. Imply her, comrade, Bergafod. I hardly even know her. Georgie groaned. Bosnoy, it's going to be a long mission. This has been Revolutions, Season 6 of The Secret World Chronicle. The Secret World Chronicle is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer, with music by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Find us at www.secretworldchronicle.com, like us on Facebook, and circle us on Google+. And as always, thank you for listening.